All right, here we are on day two of road trip, and uh, this is fantastic because we always love to catch up with uh, Mike Harper and Harper Feeders, and that's where we are right now in Eaton, Colorado. Greg Hollenbach, Jay Parker, Brian Freeman, Justin Brunson, and uh, introduce yourself. Would you do that? I'm Catherine Harper. I'm Mike's daughter. Catherine, thanks for having us here today and showing us around. First of all, describe where we're at. We are at our family's feedlot here in Eaton. We've been here since 1977. So we've got quite the operation with a lot of sheep and cattle out here. 1977 family owned and operated business. I want to do this and, and Brian, we've had the opportunity to tour this facility, but Justin, this is the first time that you've been here, chef. Uh, I, I kind of want to, I mean, your brain's probably going crazy. You love this stuff. Uh, leave this. Love this stuff. Um, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool to come out here and see these uh, these feedlots and know where our lamb comes from. And uh, you guys said you're pretty light right now. Yes. You're sitting on about 18,000 head out here. Yep. That seems, uh, seems like a lot to some, but yeah. yes, that's a little bit. <laughs> it's not that really that much. Just think how many uh, people we feed in this yep. country. So exactly. What could this hold? Uh, legally, we can hold about 73,000. And what do you have now? Right now we're about 18,000. Oh, well, real light then, right? Yep, and it's only going to go down through the summer months this year. Catherine, here's a sort of beginner question I want to get out for everybody. Okay. What is the difference between a white face and a black face on some of these lambers? So it's just the breeding. Um, a black face is going to be what we call a crossbred, um, usually between a Hampshire or a Suffolk. Um, and they, they just convert feed a little better. Um, they feed a little easier. They fatten up a little quicker versus a white face, which is more of a Rambouillet Merino breed. They're typically used more for their wool. Um, so they've just got more of that white face influence. So they typically take a little longer to grow, um, takes some little longer to convert that feed um, compared to these crossbred lambs. But I mean, they're all, all the same once you get them up to that typical weight, which is about 155 pounds, they all eat the same. And, they're, they're great either way. I think you just brought up a perfect point. Maybe tell people exactly what you do because I think that there's some confusion about you're, you're not here to, she to shear these sheep. You're not here to do anything except fatten them up, right? Yep. That's that's the main goal for us. Um, so we bring them in typically in the 90 to 100 pound range in the fall. Um, so we call our fall run starts in September. And we bring in, like last year we brought in 155 and a half in four weeks. So we bring all these animals in at one time and wow. we just we start them feeding on a low roughage or a high roughage ration and by the time they're leaving they're on a high corn ration um, and that's just to fatten them up and make them the most efficient we can. Um, to your point about shearing, we don't do a lot of shearing here but like in the summer months um, on a typical year if we weren't so low we would be doing a little bit of shearing just to make them a little more efficient because they don't like to eat when it's this hot outside. And you're not harvesting any of that? Yeah. No, I mean, we, we send everything to the harvest facilities. So, I mean, okay, we feed yeah. everything and they go directly to the, the harvest what plants. What weight do they leave? Uh, typically 155 to 160 is what they deem the sweet spot. About 50 more pounds. Yep. That's fantastic. You mentioned that three years now managing and uh, it, it, again, just right out of college. Where yep. did you go to school? I went to Colorado State University. What'd you study? There you Double go. majored in ag business and animal science. Yeah, and nice. what are some of the things that you took away from your education that you applied to managing this ranch here? 
I'd say the biggest piece would be the nutrition side of things. Um, I work really closely with our nutritionists and with the classes I took over there at CSU. Um, I've really taken a, a liking to that, figuring out how we can maintain these animals or if we need to hold them back a little bit to give ourselves product throughout the year. Being able to learn those kind of aspects of it has been a lot of fun. Um, the disease side a little bit, um, took quite a few classes on that, but it's always interesting to look at something new and say, oh, here's what this is, or work with the vets pretty closely to figure out what you can do to fix that problem. So those would be kind of the two big ones. Yeah, which are real big ones because, you know, at the end of the day, that just translates into better quality to end better tasting meat, right? Exactly, there. 100%. Which, you know, and you get back to it, and we talk about Colorado and Colorado lamb, which I, I think it's kind of cool and surprising that Colorado is getting known more and more for lamb and, and lamb products. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what do you figure, because I eat Harper Feeders lamb, and <laughs> it just has such a great, and I don't want to say mainstream taste to it, but it's not real gamey, and no. lamb gets a bad rap or it's kind of a, a gamey taste. Yeah, uh, that's more your grass-fed stuff. Um, and some people truly enjoy that, and they enjoy the gaminess of it, but, uh, I mean, a good grain-fed lamb is going to be very mild in flavor. And it's to, I ...last night to uh, play it with a little bit of chops here, and then we were tasting them as well. Just what a wonderful flavor, too, huh? Yeah, just uh, the, the, the lamb was really nice and mild. It had, a, it had great marbling. Uh, the fat on it was really delicious, really on that charcoal grill. It was it really was real tasty. Spectacular taste. So, you know, talk, talk about bringing this to market, and, and I think it's really interesting. How many generations has this business been in your family? I am the fourth generation. See, that always astonishes me because just keeping people interested and in staying in that family business is a hard proposition all in itself. But, I mean, did you know early on in your life that I'm going to, this is what I want to do, I'm going to stick with, was that kind of a decision that you fell into later on in life? No, I definitely knew. I mean, I've grown up around this place. We were here all the time as kids and helping dad whenever we could. And I worked here all through high school and I worked full time through college as well. And I, I knew back in middle school, basically, this was my plan. This is where I was going to school and this is where I was going to end up. So I, I knew from the beginning, which I think is pretty neat. What do you think the differences are as you look generationally from, you know, your dad's dad and, and you now um, from kind of the methodology or just the styles of, of ranching and, and the progression of, of basically this property and what you guys have done. What, what are those differences that you've seen throughout the years? Um, I mean, it definitely, my dad's very particular in the way he does things. Um, my grandpa was a little bit, but my dad, I think more so. So, I mean, we just like to keep a nice, clean operation. Um, we are trying to better ourselves every day. Like currently this year, we're actually in the process of putting in a new vaccinating shoot, a state-of-the-art vaccinating shoot designed by Temple Grandin. Um, so we're just, he's just in that part of his life where he wants everything to be as efficient as possible for me, um, going into me starting into my career. And he really makes the effort to do that. Um, but also I think the, the influence we have with social media anymore, I've kind of brought him to light with that world. And now with the plant as well that we have, I'm running the social media pages and he just thinks that's the coolest thing that you post something about, here's what we're doing and people just go crazy for it. <laughs> they think that's the coolest thing ever. What so. kind of cattle are the these white ones? The white ones are Charlays. Charlays, yep. okay. And so what made you get into the cattle? 
So my grandpa decided we put this on in 06. It's about a 3,000 head cattle lot. Um, and he decided that we just needed to diversify a little bit. There's a lot of ups and downs in the, the sheep industry. Um, and so we just kind of wanted to have a little little leverage to help us out when necessary. And we, we aren't great cattle feeders by any means. We definitely have the sheep figured out, but <laughs> the cattle are, they're a good backup for us. We'll put it that way. Cowboys. Yo! Hey Mike. Good. Are you good? Of course. Point that in his direction. There he is himself. How was, how was dinner? Dinner was fantastic. Awesome. That lamb was great. Any lamb chops left? There was a few left, but yeah. That went first. No, I just held him back so I could eat him myself. <laughs> I held him back so I could eat him myself. Yeah. This is cool. And, and this How's is everybody. It, Good great. Sir. Good morning. Grab that microphone real quick. We're doing a little bit of filming, but this is a great tour, and I'm glad we had a chance to catch up with Catherine because I think that there's a, a real interest to in seeing as generationally as as things progress and technology it comes into play and more education comes into play. What do you think as you're passing the baton along? Talk about Catherine and, and her skills and what well, you believe. She I, I just feel extremely fortunate to have somebody interested. A lot of people don't. A lot of these farm ranch families, the kids have gone away and not come back. I mean, it, it's not an easy, this isn't an easy business. And for her to want to come back, it's, it's uh, encouraging for me to have her back here. And to your point, the things that they pick up at school and the, and the modern technologies that they bring back and the knowledge of that stuff is... It's huge. I mean, that's where it's going. Mike, can I ask you a question, Mike, yeah. real quick? Is, is, do you think that you'd ever be able to take advantage of some of what she got out of school and have a department that was just focused on, are you getting the maximum from the food that you give the, give the animals? Are, is every, do you have time to do that kind of stuff in a smaller operation like that, like this? You know, and do you follow me on that of like, is there food that's higher in protein, something that could be different that you're doing the research yourself or is that just stuff that you have to rely on other people to do for you to be honest to your point i mean there's a, there's so many facets there's so many things you could focus on and number one is the health and the well-being we look at the consistency of the of the fed product that we provide to the industry and we get a lot of good positive feedback on it in terms of flavor profile uh, we have in years past had a tendency to get the lambs too heavy so we've really focused in the last four or five years on trying to hold lambs on a, a, in a more of a holding pattern which is expensive to to feed a, a feed stuffs that doesn't have the energy in it to, to push big gains because that's the name of the game is cheap is cheap gain because you're in this to make money and but you're also in it for longevity that you have to provide in the end, you have to provide the consumer with what they want. Bottom line, without the consumer, there's no point in What does the consumer any want? Doing. They want consistency. They don't want over fat. They want consistency in size and flavor. But I'll tell you, your lamb, we had your lamb last night. You have one of the only lambs that I've enjoyed eating the fat. I mean, I really enjoy the all of it with your lamb. You know, and I've, I've said this, and, and Chef Justin probably knows this. I'd, I'd probably eat a carp off of a charcoal grill <laughs> if Justin checked it for medium rare and he'd probably enjoy it. I do think that makes a big difference. But that goes back to that that feeding and, and feeding profile that you get. 
you you want to do a comparison? I hate to to promote it, but go go get some New Zealand lamb. Oh yeah, yeah. And and you taste the difference. I'm not saying anything against New Zealand lamb. They're just not on this kind of a program. You're getting grass fed, and you're that's the earthiness, and a lot of people really yeah. enjoy that. Is it, is it the program or the terroir? Is it the region where they're raised, or is it is it truly the program that's on? I really think what we're doing is is grain feed. Mm-hmm. And that grain gives you a mild, and tell me if I'm wrong, Justin, okay. gives you a mild flavor profile that you don't get from grass. I want all my meat gra- grain fed. You want it all grain fed? All of it grain fed. Yeah, fat, <laughs> fatten them up. <laughs> fatten them up. Make them taste yeah. good. I really think that's the difference. So, the quick question here, since we have both of you here, and I know you're out running around doing my carper stuff. <laughs> Short term, long term, okay. And I want to same question, both of you, Mike Harper, Catherine Harper. Uh, Mike, short term, long term. What are the things that you see short term that need to be addressed with your business in particular in raising this livestock here in Eaton, Colorado? You're to ask me. I think one of the biggest struggles. Uh, one of the biggest struggles is with government stuff right now. This ballot initiative 16, and maybe we touched on it last night a little bit. Go for it. So, some of this this stuff is just craziness. Yeah. And and maybe I'm, it's not fair for me to say that. Maybe young people disagree. But if you want to consume animal protein, you've got to you've got to have people like ourselves. You've got to have the production side to produce it. Or I guess Bill Gates is going to feed us all with his uh, fake meat yeah, that he's pushing. Meat. But no, there's a lot you. of battles. There's a lot of battles with that, and, and and that's one of the biggest things is how do you protect the future in what we're doing, number one. I still firmly believe we provide a very good product to the market. Well, that's a great point. So you're, you're, most of what you just said is that's all lobbying and, and done on the Hill. Uh, and when you're dealing with bureaucrats and politicians, it, it gets real sticky right there. Do you believe there's a, a voice that it, collectively that's working for that lobbying on capital we've g- we've got groups you know the colorado wool growers colorado livestock association uh, national cattlemen's but you know it, it's hard to get everybody together on the same page but if they aren't talking about it with this ballot initiative 16 if we aren't all talking together it affects every one of us in this industry and the other frustrating part is when i think about our governor uh his stance on on uh, the meat out day and that stuff. I mean, is he really thinking about his tax base and where these tax dollars come? We we work hard out here. We pay people, we pay our taxes, and if you're going to pull that away from us, where is your tax base going to come from? How about long term? What are the long term obstacles that you think that Catherine's going to face? Water. Water. Water's huge. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be a really big struggle. We're dealing with that right now in the west over the hill. You get over the Continental Divide, and I've talked to a guy in Utah this morning. They're talking 30, 45 days earlier shipping their lambs. They're out of feed, mm-hmm. and they're hauling water up into the mountain because the springs are weak and the ponds are empty. And there's So water is huge. Mm-hmm. And as you guys have seen this front range expand, every house that pops up, typically, at least used to be in the country, you had to apply an acre foot of water to that tap. That's an acre foot of water coming off this farm ground around here that provides food and fiber for all of us. So that's the trade-off. But isn't that's been the age-old thing, water? Oh yeah. Your old man was saying that. Yeah. And it's-
it's just every year it's it's more and more it compiles it yeah. compiles and uh, so day two and this is what we love and at harper feeders right now eaton colorado mike harper and Catherine harper uh I'm, let me try you Catherine. same two questions short term what are you working on right now um, I say the education is the biggest piece, kind of to his point. Um, we we get so caught up here in what we're doing on an everyday basis that we, we don't get the opportunity to get out and educate people on our business and what we do for a living. And I think with these ballots and stuff that we're seeing, these initiatives, that that's where we failed. They're, they're coming out and saying, here's, here's what needs to happen because you guys don't know what you're doing. You're not taking care of your livestock. But, I mean, if people were out here and saw what we did on a daily basis, some of these livestock are cared for better than some people. Well, that's where the technology and your expertise yeah. comes into play because that's, you know, being able to take that educational piece and yep. put it in to disseminating through your base of social media yep. is really going to be helpful for that educational piece. Yeah, it definitely will. Absolutely, for sure. Long term, what do you think? What's your long term thought? Well, like water, like you said, that's, that's going to be a huge deal, but people moving in on this front range, I mean, Eventually, you're going to get pushed out, I'm afraid, and I think that's what's coming. All these housing developments are moving this direction, and in the next few years, if we don't have the water and everything to keep the crops around us, what's going to happen then? So it's, it's a little worrisome as to what the future holds, but we're good for a minute. We'll put it that way. Might be golf <laughs> lessons, too, long term. <laughs> I mean, if we're not going to be able to work, I guess we just won't play golf. <laughs> <laughs> but you haven't seen me golf. <laughs> <laughs> so 18,000 out here, you're light. and Very light on yeah, the yeah. I'm going to see this industry in the next two months as short as I've ever seen it domestically in my lifetime. And there's several f reasons for that. When COVID hit and, and it put a huge dent in our business, the ethnic people that consume lamb traditionally on a lighter lamb basis mm -hmm saw the drop in the in the light land market and they took full advantage of it and where they would traditionally go back to the homeland in the summer months the travel ban held them here and they continued to consume and lambs that went to the traditional commercial feeders like ourselves and people back in the midwest mm -hmm. that would put them on feet mm -hmm. into this kind of a program didn't didn't get access to them they were gone and it's just created this shortage that and the fact and I said this from the get-go, just because COVID hit didn't mean people were going to stop eating. Mm -hmm. We saw a 33% increase in lamb consumption on the retail side because the restaurants completely shut down, which is, you guys know that. Mm -hmm. It just died. Well, it had to go somewhere. People were still going to eat. Mm -hmm. And you saw a big increase at the retail side. And people, some people have continued to go back. Mm -hmm. And the retail side has held up that end. And the restaurants are just coming back online. And so they're back in the market, and it makes it even shorter yet. I'll, I'll throw a couple more at you, too. Mike, is also shipping containers. You can't get shipping containers, so they're not shipping the meat over from New Zealand. So then people are going to, thankfully, try, start eating American meat. So that's one of them. And then I'll throw another one. The pork problem that you had over in China pushed a lot of people out of pork into other stuff, and they were filling it. I, I've been seeing they're light loading ships with live livestock and ship uh, and shipping them over to Russia and China right now out of Europe. I've seen that um, firsthand. And that is amazing to me that you're gonna do that and not slaughter on site and then ship it. That So something's going on with our food production again, I think. There's some concern. And when you, when you start seeing the A's do stuff, you know it's just, it's gonna hit here. Um, and so, Eventually, uh, to your point about containers, uh, uh, no, the pelt guy that handles all the sheepskins off these animals told me 
two and a half months, three months ago, it was costing $2,500 a container of skins to go to Turkey. Today, it's $8,500. And to your point, if you can get a container. And I also heard the same thing. I heard Saudi Arabia, after 10 years, first time in 10 years, started taking live inventory again, to your point. So there's some different things going on. I don't, I don't know if it's a shortage, an overall shortage of animal protein. I don't know. But it's just different. And it, we're not the only high-priced uh, protein out there right now, lamb. I mean, it's up there, but so is everything else. And it's mm-hmm. so you don't feel like you're out here on this bubble waiting for somebody to pop it and drop it. Yeah. But, uh, it's, it's, it's different, and it's, it's going to be interesting moving forward. Yeah. Last one from me, Mike. Uh, you've got a new project that you've gotten into in, in uh, Brush, Colorado. You mind talking about that for a minute? We were excited to take the next step for us was from feeding into the packing side. Uh, what we did was we got into a partnership with two other families and we started harvesting lambs in a brand new facility in Brush. And at first I thought the timing was great because at that same time uh, Mountain States Cooperative in Greeley closed down. So I thought, well, the timing was good. We're going to be here to pick up the ball. Well, now you come into one of the shortest times in in my lifetime in in volume and try to run a plant with no volume so it's a little sketchy right now uh it's too bad i think you know as what we come into volume it'd be handy. it it could conceivably kill harvest excuse my term harvest around 1800 mm-hmm. a day and i think the biggest we've done is about 12 and a quarter and it's just now because there's there's no volume we're going to go dark one day a week and we're killing light numbers and and as you can expect, your your costs may remain the same whether you're killing this or this. So, it's it's going to be a long summer. Your rent doesn't change. Just rent doesn't rent, <laughs> rent's not changing, Brian. It's not it's, it's ugly right now. Thanks for your time. Yeah, yeah appreciate you. it. Good to see. On the success too. Well, I thank mean, you. Really. Good to see everybody. Good to see you too. Always a pleasure, my Thanks friend. Thanks for dinner last thank night. Thank you you're so welcome. much yeah, for dinner you. last dinner, night. Mike. I didn't provide dinner. I just, I just listen, did the cookie I just work. I hope you got to enjoy a lamb chop or two. Oh, or five. Or five. Oh, I ate like five of them before. <laughs> and I have to tell you that uh, it seems like the future of Harper Feeders is in very capable yeah. hands. Yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I had half the maturity that uh, she does when I was her age, uh-huh. oh, I'd have been really good by now. It took me a long time to come around. Sounds to me like you've got some disappointments banked up. You can <laughs> lay them on them at any point in time. There you go. She's, she's a good one. She's smart, pays attention, very organized. I'm very lucky to have her. Uh, she's lucky Don't to have you, too. You're a gem. <laughs> <laughs> like every family operation. See ya. Okay. Great to see you. There it is. See you, Mike. All right. That was pretty awesome. I don't know whether you planned that or not, Catherine, but that was, that was cool. <laughs> We're gonna wrap it up here, but as as we are wrapping it up, Catherine, it just just your just your overall thoughts of you know hearing your dad, and then it's it's got to be kind of a special feeling to you, and this is really one of those industries that you, you, there's not a lot of praises thrown your way, and and it's it's a difficult business, but you guys do it so well. Yeah, no, it's neat having that working relationship with him. is it's been good. It's been a lot of fun, and having mom around too to do everything, all the books, and working with her. It's it's just a good working dynamic for the three of us, and we, we all truly enjoy it. Another great family business here in Colorado. Oh, man, what's your average day like? Oh, goodness. It's, nothing's ever the same. <laughs> 
Um, this morning we came in, we loaded some lambs, sorted a pen of lambs, and then we had water breaking out dating right now, so it's it's kind of just been putting out fires today. And you stopped for us. Thanks yeah. for your time. <laughs> You're welcome. It's very we like special. doing this stuff. I know, and we love you guys. Thanks for always being there for us, and uh, we love to tell your story too. Well, and for everyone, quite honestly, because people don't realize how lucky they are when they get to eat a lamb that comes out of Harper Feeder. <laughs> Colorado lamb, none better. Nope. And uh, Harper Feeder's Thanks again for your time. For Justin Brunson, Brian Freeman, and Jay Parker, I'm Greg Hollenbach. We're going to kick the rock down the road. We're going to do a show tonight in Greeley, Colorado. And uh, I don't know where we're going to dinner, but we're going to have a good one. We need to sit down, and and uh, we'll be at the Rainbow Hotel. That's where we'll all get a uh, hot shower. Get a, get a hot shower <laughs> in. All right, we're going to kick the rock down the road. We'll see you uh, coming up here later on in the day, and we'll tell you about all the stops, and you can check out all of our stops on themoderneater.com.